to continue the series that we've been teaching. This is going to be actually the third week of teaching from plan to purpose. From plan to purpose. And I'm so excited once again tonight to talk about taking our lives from plan to purpose. Discovering the various steps that we need to take, but also dealing with the processes that are involved to take our lives off the drawing board and to see our lives being built and fulfilled by doing his purpose. God did not create us just to suck his air, sit on a pew, do nothing. God designed our lives, every one of us, with a specific design. We're all unique. We've all got special giftings and abilities. For what reason? Not so people can frame that and look at it on a wall, but that God can build us and develop us and use us to touch the world. And that's the whole theme or the whole thought of this message is to get up off your backside and start doing something for God. From plan to his purpose to get you into the harvest field. Because the harvest is ready, but the Bible says the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends laborers. We're trying to inspire every one of you to realize that your life can make a difference. Why have we got to get off the drawing board to a place of purpose? Why? We've got to get that because that's only when we're going to find true living. Up to then, we're not going to find satisfaction. But then we'll find true purpose and then we will find true fulfillment in our lives. So the first step that we took two weeks ago was exposure. That was the first step that we need to take in our lives. And that is this, you've got to begin here. What do I mean you've got to begin here? Why? Because you've got to have an encounter with a life-changing God. And that's what we're dealing with, exposing our lives. Ignorant men came in contact with God and all of a sudden, what man labelled as idiots, they were now scratching their heads and said, how can these be? These have got such power, there's such ability in them, but they have nothing. And the only conclusion that they could come to was they had been with Jesus. There was an encounter that took place in their lives. And that's what we are believing. Come on, if you have not been changed, then you're not really saved. Come on. I mean, I can't say it much more simple than that. When you get saved, there's a change that takes place. When you're exposed and you come in contact with God, your life will be the change, will be changed. It's impossible to be exposed to Jesus and not be changed. But we've got to realize this exposure to God is not just a one-off deal. I'm saved. That's it. It's a daily exposure as we read his word, as we pray, as we meditate, as we come to church, as we involve our lives, that we expose ourselves to God's changing power in our lives. The second step that we looked at last week was decisions. But it's time that you and I make the right decisions. We discussed about going through the decision-making process. 
the process that it involves. Not stopping at, wow, I want that. That looks good. Remember that little car with the spoiler and the sunroof that we wanted? But there's a whole lot more interesting or a whole lot more important things than the spoiler and a sunroof that we discovered we need to know when it comes to buying a car. One of them is how much does it cost? A lot of times sunroof and spoilers usually means it's going to be quite expensive. So we've got to look through the whole process, not just I want that and desire that, but we've got to gather all the necessary data and information and make a good decision. Why are decisions so important? Because they're connected to consequences. We don't like those. And one thing we've discovered in our lives and still are perhaps today, it's not easy to shake off and work through some consequences. But we have discovered also that there is hope on the other side if we begin and continue to make the right decisions. What are you talking about? But God. You may be living in a consequence right now, but you remain faithful. Keep making the right decisions and God still can take you into his promised land. Just keep trusting him. We also discovered last week that there are two types of decision. And not to be confused, the first type of decision is by information. By our senses, by gathering all the right info. But then there was another decision that we realized and that was by revelation. That came by God. We called that a destiny decision. So you and I must make the right decisions. Our lives need to be exposed to God. We need to make the right decisions because upon them our lives will swing. What do I mean by that? The decisions we make are the hinges for our future. We need to make the right decisions. Do I hear an amen? So that's a quick recap. If you missed either or both, make sure and order a CD or listen online or via podcast. And you can listen to those messages in their entirety. Step number three tonight, taking our lives from plan to purpose, is transformation. Say that with me, transformation. I like that word. Come on, I like that word, transformation. Why? Because it has such a great meaning and hope for every one of us. Here's what the dictionary says about transformation. It says these words. To change the form, nature, substance... Or state of something. Let me say that one more time. Transformation means to change the form, the nature, the substance, or the state of something. I'm a taker for that. Come on, what do you mean? I, I, I want that. I want a change of nature. Come on, I want a change of what? Form in my life. I want a change to take place. I want a transformation in my life. Do I have any takers in the house? Come on, sign me up for that, God. I'm ready for not just a change. I'm ready for a transformation. But as we begin to step into transformation, we need to ask ourselves, or I want to ask every one of you tonight a question, a simple question. And here it goes. What do I need to see change in my life. Come on, if you've got your notepad out, or note, your pen and your notepad out, why not write down quickly maybe a few thoughts? I mean, what do I need to see change in my life? When we're talking about transformation, God's power and ability, and all, I mean, what is it of my life that I really want to see changed? You know, tonight, if your answer is, more money, 
If your answer is, man, if I could just get a new job. If your answer is, if I could just get that promotion that they've been telling me for months that there's a possibility. I mean, if I could just get over that hurdle right there. If I could just get that new house, you know, the apartment's been okay, but man, if I could just get that house with that white picket fence. Man, if I could just get that car. I mean, if I could just get all these kind of stuff, then you know what? If they were the changes, my life would be absolutely great. You know, if that's your answer tonight, I'm going to say this. Good answer. Good answers. That's okay. But they're the wrong answer. It's okay to want those things. Don't get me wrong. But when we have a choice to see what needs to change in our lives, we've got to be very careful. Why? Because so many times we can miss the main point. Why? Because what we look to change is the environment or the circumstances around our lives. If I can have a new car, that's changing the circumstances of my life. It's changing the environment around you. But what about you? Come on, what about you? What is it really that needs to change in you? Because that's the real change that we're talking about tonight. Why? Because a change or transformation in you automatically equals a change in your circumstances. Oh man, Pastor Philip, I wish you'd pray for my husband. I mean, he needs to get saved. He's just mean. He's just unkind. He's just unloving. Well, you know what? Let's start with praying for you. Why? Because maybe he's reacting or responding to the lack of love or commitment that you have in your life. You see, what happens is, as you change, your husband may not change, but all of a sudden the circumstances change. Why? Because you have changed in the circumstance. Can you see what we want so often? Just change our circumstances, change our situations, but there's a common denominator of problem in that, and that's you and I. If we don't change... It doesn't matter about our circumstances. It doesn't matter about our environment because we will never still be happy. Why? Because we'll still be the same. Instead of praying for God to change everyone else, why not ask God to transform your life? God, give me a new job. Maybe God got you in that right job right now, but you've just got a stinking attitude. Maybe God just needs to change you because he strategically placed you there. And as you change, guess what? Your job changes. It hasn't altered. It's still the same. But now your attitude, the way you look at it, everything, it has completely changed. Why? Because you have changed in your circumstances. I know I've used the word changed a lot tonight. But transformation is more than just the change. Let me say that one more time. Transformation is more than just a change. If you take it down notes, write down this. Change is is symptom-based. Is symptom-based. But yet transformation is source-based. What do I mean by that? Change is just altering the symptoms. It's like trying to treat cancer with a band-aid that's just dealing with the symptoms. That's what change does. It's symptom-based. It just deals with the symptoms, but yet transformation goes right to the very source. That's the basis of where it goes. It goes to the source of the problem. And it makes a change. Every one of us in here have made efforts in our lives to change. When January comes round, many people will have New Year's resolutions. 
that, you know what, I'm going to go out to the gym and I'm going to run and I'm going to do all these kind of things and you know what, you may do it for a couple of weeks, but you know what, it doesn't take long before you've quit. Come on, you know, I'm going to go on a diet and I'm going to lose some weight and for two weeks you're really doing good and you're starving yourself, but then you realise you can't starve yourself forever. And you're so hungry, so you start eating this and you start eating that and start eating this and this and this and this and you put on more weight than what you lost in two weeks. But I wanted to change. The changes that we try to make in our lives don't often last for very long. We want to and we really try hard. But there's moments of weakness. Anyone ever had a moment of weakness? Come on, you're trying to lose some weight and all of a sudden you walk past and someone is eating a Mississippi mud pie. <laughs> and you see that. You notice how I licked my lips just right there? I mean, it's just a natural thing. I mean, right now we're just like, come on, come on. Hot apple pie. Alamode. Come on. All these things. My favourite is a, is a blackberry pie. Blackberry cobbler. With English custard and hot, hot custard on top of it. With ice cream on the top. Just melt. Oh, man. Come on. Let's just, let's just bask in the presence of Jesus. <laughs> you know what? We want to change, but there's moments of weakness in our lives. We want to change, but someone just pushes the wrong button. And all of a sudden, that change flies out of the window in a real hurry. Now, you all know tonight I'm preaching the truth. Come on, say amen, say oh my, say help me Jesus, just say something tonight. We all want to change. But you see, we're talking tonight about a transformation that is deeper than a change. Perhaps the best way that we can explain or describe what I mean by the step of transformation would be used or to use the word metamorphosis. What God wants to do in our life is He wants to metamorphonize, if there is such a word. There is now. Every one of us. I've got a really neat saying that's behind the monitor in my computer in my office. And it says these words, just very simple, but yet so profound. I have never seen a flying caterpillar, but every caterpillar is destined to fly. I've never seen a flying caterpillar, but every caterpillar is destined to fly. To fly. Think about the truth of that statement for a few moments. In order for a caterpillar to fly, something drastic has to take place. There has to be a metamorphosis that takes place in that caterpillar. I looked up the metamorphosis process. of a caterpillar, what it has to go through in order to fly. And can I tell every one of you that you're destined to fly? Come on, you've got to realise that from plan to purpose, God has planned for your life. There's a great purpose for your life. God has destined every one of us to fly, but so many of us are just crawling upon a log. Dreaming about what could be and what should be. 
But I'm telling you right now, as we expose our lives to God, as we begin to make the right decisions, all of a sudden we'll realize there's a transformation that wants to take place in our lives that is irreversible. What does it mean? A caterpillar, after it's turned into a butterfly, cannot one day wake up and say, I want to be a caterpillar again. Transformation, when God is involved, is irreversible. I mean, after all, who would want to be the same? Come on, stay with me. God, transform me. Come on, you may have been saved for 40 years. Great. But it's time that you allow God once again to change you in such an incredible way that there's an utter, complete transformation. I'm destined to fly. So the first step is the caterpillar has to prepare to change its form. So how does it do that? The second step is it sheds its skin, exposing the chrysalis. But then the third process is as the chrysalis is exposed for weeks and even months, it just hangs there. But what begins to take place is an adult butterfly begins to push its way out, breaking free, and then the sky is the limit. As I said, that caterpillar can never be a caterpillar again. Being a caterpillar is just a distant memory. The word metamorphosis, one of the translations or one of the descriptions of that word, the dictionary says this, a noticeable or complete change of character, appearance and circumstances. So the definition of metamorphosis, a noticeable or complete change of character, appearance and circumstance. You see, change is a man thing. But transformation is God working with man or through man. God being in charge, calling the shots. But God can take us to places and do things with us that we never thought even humanly possible. God can transform you. You may be depressed all the time. God can transform you. You may be miserable. God can transform you. You may feel like you've got nothing. God can transform you if you'll allow that metamorphosis process to begin to take place. Look what Philippians 3 verse 13 says. Philippians 3 verse 13 says these words. Paul writes, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Really what he's saying is there, where the word apprehended is, he's saying, I'm telling you right now, I haven't arrived. I haven't made it at the finish line yet. But notice what he says, but I am still arriving. Come on, none of you have made it yet, but we've got to be still arriving. Because what does he say? This is how I do it. He said, this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are, those things we can't change, come on, agree, those things that we can't alter, the things of the past we've got no control over anymore. So he says, forgetting those things which are behind, what do I do? I now reach forward to those things which are ahead. That's transformation. 
Letting go. You see, when Paul says, I forget those things, or forgetting those things which are behind, he's not just talking about the fact of not remembering them anymore, because as much as we try not to remember those things, we remember those things. As much as we try to push them in the past, we can be driving down the street one day and a song come on the radio and all of a sudden a memory from 20 years comes back from connected to a song. We try to forget about that or we try to forget, but all of a sudden a movie comes on and we remember exactly where we were with who we were and what was going on and, and how we were drunk and we were stoned and we were this and all this and there were memories that we thought were long gone, but all of a sudden just a movie brought that back. So what is Paul is telling us there is he said, he's not just talking about forgetting as in the sense of not remembering anymore. But this is what he specifically means. And this is what he's specifically talking about. Not or no longer being controlled by those past things. Think about that. No longer does that have a control over my life. But yet, here's the thought. Shaking them off in order to experience a transformed future. So how do we see transformation? We've got to let go of the past. We've got to shake it off. We've got to move beyond them and say, past those thoughts, all those things, you're not going to control my life anymore. Because my life is going to be controlled by God Almighty. In other words, we've got to get rid of all the crutches. You know, it is so sad that church parking lots should be 90% handicapped spaces. What are you talking about, Pastor Philip? Because about 90% of the people who come to church are handicapped in some shape or form. If it was a physical handicap, that would be easy to see. But come on, we come in with mental handicaps. We come in to hold on to all the crutches of the past and the hurts and the wounds and everything. The inside we are handicapped and destroyed. Let me tell you something. There can never be a true transformation as long as you're holding on to the past. Elijah said these words. You don't have to turn there, but 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 21. He's standing with all the prophets of Baal, all the people of Israel. They're all gathered around. And Elijah looks at the people and says, For goodness sake, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? How long are you going to be indecisive? God is either able or he's not. God is either God or Baal is Baal. And he's God. You see, we look and we say, oh, I want to change and I want a transformation, but how can... Listen, God is either God or He's not. You've got to let go of the past, those thoughts and all those things, and you've got to believe that God is able to transform your life. New Living Translation says, instead of folder, waver. Which means to change between. Which means to be back and forth. Back and forth. Going from one thing to the other. You see, you can't go back and forth in the process of transformation. Because transformation is a place of no return. Even if you've got a receipt, come on, there's no return. So there's got to be a letting go, because if we're backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards, we can never really be transformed. Maybe changed, maybe altered slightly, but never totally renewed. Listen to me, transformation is not a magical thing. Abracadabra. 
you're transformed. Bam! Changed. Or rather transformed. Transformation involves a process. Over a period of time. It involves a change of character, not circumstances. It's a change of appearance, not only externally, but internally. You see, as you become transformed, you and I become more and more Christ-like. That we're no longer the same person. And the process of transformation in every one of our lives is a process that God promises to be faithful to complete if you and I will just stay on the surgical table. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he that began a good work, a transformation. You think Jesus died to leave you the same way? Come on, you think he went through all of that, that you would be left the same way? No, he died. A good work, a transformation, that you wouldn't even be close to the same person that you used to be. That he that began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He that began a good work, that word's good work there, is in reference to both physical and moral. So physically, God can do a good work. He can change you. But morally, He wants to change you. But that good work also implies the fact of producing benefits in your life. What am I talking about? God wants to bring a transformation, a good work, a change in every one of you, that there is going to be benefits that you and I are going to experience in our lives. So how do we become transformed? How does this process take place? Let's find out from God's Word. Romans 12 verse 2, reading from the New Living Translation, says this, Don't copy the behaviour and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Be not transformed or be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what is transformation? A what? It's a renewing of your mind. That's the second step. That's the second step and that's where we often so quickly jump to, well it's just renewing our minds. But you know what? There has to first be a part one that we missed at the beginning of that verse. And you know what it is? We've got to first let go of the world. There's got to be a disconnection from the things of this world. The Bible says, don't copy the behaviours of this world. King James says, don't be conformed. Literally put in a box, moulded and fashioned in the image of the world. So in order for a transformation to take place, yeah, there needs to be a change in our mind, but first, there needs to be a letting go. There needs to be a changing of the way we act and the way we are. Again, exposure, the right decisions and there also needs to be the fact of recognition in every one of our lives and that is this I cannot do it on my own I need the help of a Savior throughout almost the entirety of the New Testament God was preaching one message to those people and they couldn't get it and the message of the Old Testament was you can't do it on your own you need me 
That's why he gave them the law. Not as a set of rules and regulations, but he gave them the law to show them that they could not keep the law. They were incapable of fulfilling the law for what? That they needed the help of a saviour. The help of a saviour. The whole Old Testament points towards the cross. The help. The strength that God wants to be. Whether we like to admit it or not, you and I choose to do many things as a result of our environment. That we allow our circumstances to determine our outcome and response. What do I mean by that? We act accordingly so often to what is around us instead of what needs to be inside of us. Let me say that one more time. We react and act according to what's around us instead of what's inside of us. Oh, the economy's really bad. What am I going to do? That's the circumstances around us, but what's within us? We have a treasure in earthen vessels. We've got to realize that God's not bound by the economy of this world. God's not cashing in his real estate and trying to sell and doing a short sale and he's trying to sell our tables and chairs. When you get to heaven, let me tell you something, your mansion's going to be fully furnished. He's not selling off your bed. He's not selling the refrigerator and all the trimmings to make sure that at least you have a roof over your head. Come on, the economy in heaven is, thank you very much, perfectly fine. God says, I own a cattle on a thousand hills. God's, but you see, what it allows, what we allow to happen is, we don't watch by the way we act and live. We allow the circumstances that are around us to begin to override what is or desires or needs to be inside of us. One such example was Gideon. Remember Gideon in the Bible? He was tempted by his circumstances and he nearly acted according to the state that he was in. What state was he in? He was terrified. The Bible says he came from a weak family. And to make matters worse, he was the weakest of his family pretty much. So he looks at the fact that he's terrified. They're in oppression because the Midianites are oppressing them, stealing everything from them. They're in hiding. They're in disarray. His family's pretty weak and he feels like he's the least of his father's house. And an angel comes to him and says, hey, you mighty man of valor. Gideon's like looking around. He can't be talking to me. Can you see that so easily he could have allowed the circumstances around him to disrupt what God saw inside of him? What are you saying to me tonight? I'm saying that God sees a treasure inside of every one of you that is far beyond the circumstances or perhaps the place that you are at right now. Gideon responded by faith and God used him to win a mighty victory. Thank God he chose rather to see himself as a mighty warrior through Christ. Don't be conformed. Don't be conned into thinking there will never be change and there will never be hope in your life. Come on, don't be conned is another way to say don't be robbed any longer. You see, that's the first part. We need to begin to act and see yourself as your and see your future differently. 
I'm going to throw in something that perhaps we should have said last week, but it fits in right here. When you make decisions for your today, don't make your decisions for today. Make your decisions for where you see yourself a year, three years, five years from now. Because if we're hurt today, we're going to make hurt decisions. But we're not living hurt. Come on, we're going to be healed. So I'm going to start making healed decisions. I'm going to start making decisions that are going to take me towards my healing, to the transformation in my life. So that's the first part. We've got to begin to act. We've got to begin to see yourself. We've got to understand that our future is different. But then the second part we read is that we've got to renew our minds. We've got to be transformed by renewing our minds. In other words, we've got to get the junk out. We've got to get the negativity out so we can put the new in. Come on, are you getting the picture? We've got to empty the junk out. We've got to get all negativity out. What? So we can put the new in. The present junk of your life will limit the space of the transformation which God can do. So how are we transformed? We've got to start living differently. How do we live different? We expose our lives to God. Start making the right decisions. That causes us to live differently. We begin to act differently. Come on, salvation experience, those things that we used to do, we don't do no longer. Why? Because the desire has changed. We're acting different, we're walking different, we're talking different. But then the Bible says there also needs to be a change of our thought patterns. A change in the way we think, and change in the way we see yourself. And let me explain that. It's not your thoughts or the new thoughts that change you. But it's understanding this. It's when you line your thought process or pattern up with God's, then your life begins to click into gear. It's not your thoughts that are changing you, but it's all of a sudden realising that God is able to change you and transform you. You see, I'm tired of people just being changed and never being altered, transformed. Inside of every one of our heads is an incredible thing called our mind. It's more powerful than probably the most powerful computer that man could ever make. Why? Because they tell us our minds never forget anything we see, hear, taste, touch. Anything we come in contact with, they tell us that it's stored somewhere inside of our minds. The only problem you and I have is we just can't recall it. We just can't bring it out again. Many times subconsciously we can and we will act according to the date of the stored. But that's why in Ephesians 6 we read these words, take the helmet, verse 17, of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. In other words, say with me, protect your mind. We've got to protect our minds. How do I protect my mind? I protect my mind in two ways. First and foremost, I watch by what I allow in. Come on, I watch what I allow to come in. When those negative thoughts start coming in and everything, I've got to say, hey, hold on a second. We've got to put the door up on our minds. We've got to watch what we feed ourselves, what we put in, because the old computer term garbage in, garbage out. So first and foremost, I've got to watch what I allow in, but then secondly, I've got to watch what I choose to dwell on. There's some thoughts that are going to come in that, man, I look and say, man, where did that come from? Anyone ever had those kind of thoughts? You're like, golly, well, you know where it came from, the absolute pit of hell. But you're looking and you're saying to yourself, where did that come from? 
We, we cannot control the thoughts, the Bible tells us, that comes in. We've got to watch what we allow in. But then there's some things that just come anyway. But then what we can do with those is we can control what we dwell on. We can control what we act on and what we allow to take root. You see, transformation has to be based upon controlled thinking. Second Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Controlled thinking, the ability to understand and make the right decisions. We talked about that last week. If you weren't here, you should have been here. But it doesn't take long, does it, to get around someone, perhaps for five minutes, and just hear the talk, hear the way they think, to understand exactly where that person is coming from. You could figure out people really quick. So many have such a negative mind and they wonder why their lives are not going forward. A negative is the sign for subtraction, is that not right? A negative sign is the sign used for subtraction and subtraction will always take away. So if we're negative, we can't expect anything positive to take place. It's always going to be taken away. But you see, transformation begins with a change of life but continues through a change of the way we think. Proverbs 23, 7, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, or so he or she will become. I'm almost done, I promise. When God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, that wasn't the hard part. The hardest part was getting Egypt out of the children of Israel. Getting Egypt out of their minds. What did they say? Oh man, if only we were back in Egypt. What were they doing? They were thinking back. What does Paul say? Forgetting those things which are behind. The past. The the things that we have no control over. But yet if we don't watch, that's what we do. We begin to long for those things and search for those things. But what do we realise? It's going to stop a transformation in our lives because we've got to forget those things. Let go. Shake off those things so we can pursue the transformation process that God has in our lives. So getting Egypt out of their minds was so hard. Because as they were looking back, their focus could never be moving forward. In order for a transformation to take place, you've got to let go and forget the past. And you've got to press forward with a new mind. You see, where you and I are at right now is not our destination. I haven't arrived, thank God. Aren't you glad where you're at right now is not where you're going to be forever? It's not our destination. This is not going to be as good as it gets, like the enemy would tell us. Well, you better settle because this is as good as it's going to get. It's a lie. But where you are at presently is a part of the pathway that God's going to use to get you to your destination. Did you catch that? Where you're at right now is part of the pathway that God's going to use to get you to your destination. You are what you eat, so what you feast on is what you become. We've got to renew our thought patterns. We've got to allow God to transform our lives. It's a process of no return. Who wants to be the same way? It's waking up and realizing, you know what, those things are behind. God, I want a transformation. Metamorphosize my life that I will never be the same. I want to walk different. I want to talk different. I want to be different. Change my character. Change everything about me. Change my appearance even if you want God. I don't like my nose. You could make it smaller. I didn't. Perhaps not 
quite there. But it's more than just a change we need. It's a transformation. And you know what transformation is? It's sanctification. What do I mean? You're saved if you've given your life to Christ. But then there's a process of sanctification as God begins to clean you up. Develop you, build you. Change you. It's a process that God wants to see in your life. No going back. Only moving forward. Exposure, step one. Check. The right decision, step two. Check. Transformation. God, begin the process. Because transformation is God. Well, let me rephrase that. Transformation is me working with God. Allowing Him to do things beyond what I can do because I can't change. I've tried and I've messed up. Close your eyes right now. I don't want you to think of a red hammer. So don't think of a red hammer, okay? Whatever you do, don't think of a red hammer. Come on, what can you, all can you see right now in your mind? You're trying not to think of it, but all you can see is that stinking red hammer. Why? Because we can try and will it away, we can try and push it away, but we can't. But when we act right, that's what transformation, then we begin to make the right decisions and the right choices, and then we ask God to begin to renew our minds, to change the way we think. And as we go through that transformation, I'm telling you right now, we will be different people. Will you stand to your feet tonight? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Hawthorne's Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp.hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.